0: Apocalypse has awakened, and only the strong will survive. Suit up, because this is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Podcast. It joins the Legion of Legendary Podcasts, along with Daytime Confidential and Pop Confidential. This is the first episode of what will hopefully be many, many more, allowing us to dive into all the wonderfully geeky topics from fantasy and sci-fi to comics and maybe even some games once in a while. Joining me today for the premiere episode, we have Jamie Giddens, my business partner and co-host on Daytime Confidential and Pop Confidential. Welcome. Hello. We also have Melody Eagles. Anyone who's listened to both the podcasts recognizes her name. Welcome. Hey, hey. When I first met Mel, I didn't realize that she was a little bit of a geek, but over the years, she's sort of let her geek flag fly from time to time. My, so. my
1: geek lives in me. She doesn't get to come out a lot, but on certain things, she can't help herself, so it's in there. Well, we had a fun
0: time <laughs> with the Captain America podcast on the Pop Confidential podcast, and we hope to have many more of those type of episodes uh, here on the Geek Confidential podcast. Also joining to me today is a, my longtime friend, a former fellow podcast host, Craig Peters. Welcome.
2: Hello there. I'm kind of a, the, I'm kind of an eclectic the, geek. I have all these different facets, just so you know.
0: And you have Methuselah-like knowledge. That's true. Jamie does not have to worry about this podcast because on DC, when he first started on that podcast, it was. Uh, we're going to go to J- Jamie for all the knowledge and history, and Jamie doesn't have to worry no, about No,
3: Jamie's it. just yeah. visiting. Jamie's <laughs> just <James> visiting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. with, with topics
0: are of interest to him. Now, what we're discussing today is X-Men Apocalypse, uh, the movie that hit theaters. Mel, when we recorded the Captain America special episode for PC, you said that this is absolutely your favorite team, you love them, what is it about them that you love so much and what were was your expectations going into the film? Well,
1: what I love about X-Men so much is that there are so many different characters and personalities and everyone has such a different power and they all come together as one, you know, to be these X-Men, to be these mutants, and of course, you know, there's always bad guys. But I guess what always fascinated me about X-Men is that they were so different than everything else and everyone else, you know, and there were so many of them and I felt like it was one that you never really get bored with, you know. I grew up with X Men the animated series. It used to come on Fox at three thirty after school. Like I would get home from school, do my homework for thirty minutes and then I was watching X Men and it was right back to homework. Like that was just it. So it's always it's fascinated me that it's always been about, you know, this different kind of person. I don't know. I like it. Um, As for X-Men Apocalypse the movie, you know, the trailer made it look like okay, this is gonna be some kind of epic battle between Apocalypse and the X-Men, you know, and we saw some of our well-known X-Men on, looks like, to be on Apocalypse's side, so I was like, okay, this could be interesting, I'm always down, you know, and Brian Singer was the director, he did X-Men 2, which is, in my opinion, the best X-Men in the live-action movies of recent era, era. so I was like, okay, and he did uh, Days of Future Past 2, I believe, so I was like, alright, alright, we, we should be in good hands here. As for my overall thoughts on the movies, I thought it was Just, okay, like, I'm not going to say it was fantastic, like, Civil War, because Civil War was amazing. But this X-Men, I felt like Apocalypse got to be a bit much at times. And I was like, I don't know about this and the way it kind of resolved itself, too. I was like, this could have been done a little bit better. But I felt like the characters were true to themselves, which I did like um, a lot of that. So I, I I didn't hate it, like... I did with Batman versus Superman. So for me it was like this is much better than Batman versus Superman but not as great as Civil War, but it wasn't as good as Days of Future Past either. So mm. I, you know, I kind of I put it in that one like it's not it's not the best it's not terrible like X-Men Last Stand was. This is all my opinions by the way, guys. It's not terrible like that, but I feel like it could have been done a little bit better, but I I didn't totally dislike it. For me, it was just, it was okay. And I was like, all right, this is all right. I can, you know, I can handle this.
0: Jamie, I was really worried going into this based on the trailers. The trailers were giving me deja vu of the third X-Men movie, which is by far the worst, in my opinion. What were your expectations going in and what were your overall thoughts of the film?
3: Well, my fear, based on the trailer, and it didn't come to fruition, spoiler alert, um, I think I had read somewhere that this might be Jennifer Lawrence's last one. Um, I don't know if that's really true or not. but um, So my fear when I saw the promo was, oh, no. But then, you know, as I started thinking about that, I'm like, well, they can't really, since these are supposed to be in the same universe as the original three movies from the early 2000s, we know that you know, Mystique grows up and, you know, becomes a baddie, so <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, the big, for me, the trailer was all about, you know, him trying to strangle Mystique, and I was like, well, okay, I don't have to be too worried about her, because I do know that, you know, they, they grow up, this is their, this is a prequel to those first three movies, Um, I don't really base a lot, because now, you know, you watch enough movies, you know that Sometimes the trailer will be something that's not even in the movie or, you know, that's totally changed. So I don't really base a lot on the trailer. It's For me, with this type of film, it's do I like the characters? Do I like the storylines? And um, I didn't really grow up, um, you know, I grew up on DC Comics. But this movie, the original X-Men movie, came out the year I graduated from college, 2000. And that was one of... My group of friends, we all, like, went to see the movie as one of our last big, you know, oh, my God, we're not going to be around each other anymore after graduation type situations. So it just stuck in my mind as a nostalgic moment, you know, that very first uh, 2000 X-Men movie. I guess it was 2000. It was, you know, 99, 2001 of them. Um, So that's kind of why I got hooked on this franchise. And then of course I love the whole Jean Gray story when I started, you know, doing research on it and, you know, the backstory that she's pretty much the most powerful mutant and then she can't control her powers and she's gonna one day, you know, explode into an epic fit of anger that will destroy the world. It's like as someone who used to struggle with an anger problem, I could relate to that. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, um, I've been, I've really enjoyed the prequels. Um, One thing that, you know, obviously they totally created their own universe for them with the whole, oh, well, we all have been friends since we were younger. And, you know, then we kind of went away. And, you know, so whenever I go and do my research and because I'm a big researcher, when these I'm that guy that I go and watch a movie and then I go home and spend the rest of the night Googling it. And so, you know,
2: Mystique. So you're saying you have no life. Is that what you're saying?
3: Oh, I have a life, honey. I'm multitasking. <laughs> I can multitask.
2: Okay, so, there you go.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's like, so... In the comics, isn't Mystique Nightcrawler's mother? Um,
2: God knows. In one version. Yeah, yeah. So,
3: so I'm like, well, they're just kind of like chilling, like homies in this one. So, anyway, so obviously they play they play fast and loose with that. But for this movie, I truly enjoyed the story. Um, I think, I kind of wonder... If Mystique's becoming such a heroine in these movies didn't have something to do with Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, and the fact that she brings in lots of eyeballs. She does, and she's also a big, huge heroine in another franchise, The Hunger Games. So I'm like, hmm, because, you know, when you, if you just take it by the first three films, when Mystique and Magneto are like the evil you know, counterparts to Professor X and Wolverine, um, and, you know, the X Men the rest of the X Men. It's like, okay, I keep waiting for this I mean, we've seen it obviously with, with Magneto. We've seen multiple, you know, no turning back points where we know how he ends up becoming the Magneto of the old, you know, franchise, but with with I have to say, I kind of thought, that's kind of what I thought we would find. I thought we would have a moment where we see why Mystique goes dark. And I'm like, no, this kind of, once again, makes her seem like a pretty good lady. So are we going to get another movie, you know, that explores what makes her dark? Um, Yeah. Craig,
0: what were your expectations going in? And what did you, what was your overall? (laughs) It
2: turned out exactly like I expected. I I saw an interview about Star Trek, the movie, and how, I believe it's Paramount-owned Star Trek. Uh, And they made the movie all about this massive story, this huge ship that they they spent 20 minutes running around the ship. And it's exactly what this movie, and I'll uh, compare it to The Age of Eltron, was all about. And, of course, Last Stand, same thing. It's all about this massive character, this massive story, and they forget about the real key to successful uh, superhero movies, which they didn't forget in Civil War, and they didn't forget in in the uh, the last uh, um, Captain America. It's about the interrelationship of the characters. I totally agree with Melanie. Two is the, absolutely the best X-Men movie, because it's all about the character interaction. It's all about how they deal with each other, and how you grow to like them, and you, you love the relationships, and you love the challenges, but it's all about them. When you make it about this massive story, I mean, this the entire world basically is getting destroyed in 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 this this apocalypse. I mean, really, the entire world is being destroyed. Even the bridge, like in the Last Stand, which threw me out of the whole movie for a moment. It, everything's being destroyed. It's just too big, and they're forgetting about the great moments in the earlier films, like when uh, when Wolverine says "F you." In, uh, in, <laughs> in in Days of Future Past. I mean, they forget about all these great moments and all these little character things that make this all great. So you're watching this huge story. I could have done without Ultron. I could have done without uh, Apocalypse. this Apocalypse guy. I could have done without him. I could have watched this movie just about these characters having some fun and fighting some crime. I mean, uh, same thing with the, the Batman versus Superman. I just absolutely didn't like it because it's just it's the it's like now the you're the
3: comics though i have to ask you because in all three of these um because it does definitely seem like there's a trend going on like this was the year that we have to bring out our big baddies from the comics for everyone to fight together but i have to ask i feel like that's been that way since Ga-
0: guardians of the galaxy so i mean but
3: but craig you you feel that these type of movies aren't comic books at their best but did you like those supervillain characters in the comics, or do they just not work for you on the big screen?
2: Oh, Doc Ock was so much fun, and in the in super, Spider-Man Two, that's exactly what he was. He was the same character, played by a wonderful actor, Alfred Molina. It, it, that's the way they're supposed to be. In in the in movies are supposed to be like the guys in the comic books. These guys are so massive and so big that you really can't get in touch with them. There's no engaging Ultron or or Apocalypse. There's no, I mean, Joker. Uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker was wonderful in in the first Batman film, and same thing with Heath Ledger. But you got engaged with the character. You hated him maybe, or you loved you loved the 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 evilness of them. Uh, when the character's so huge, you can't get engaged you just can't have I mean magneto the wonderful magneto in the in the original comic books and yes I owned the first hundred x-men or more uh, I watched him grow and change and and you really yeah you just wanted somebody to strangle him well in this in in the first two films in the series and the original first two films you y- I love the Magneto. I loved seeing what he was going to do and what he was going to do next. And I, you know, there's a love hate relationship with the guy. Uh, you see him, you know, where his mother's being killed, and you just you want to kill the guy that made Magneto what he was. I mean, in in, in the in in Apocalypse, I could have cared le- I could have cared less about most of the characters, except for one thing. I did feel in the original part of the film where they're dealing with the teenagers and the growth of the. The new X-Men, so to speak, I did get that original sense of Professor X in and having these guy having these people in the danger room and starting to grow. And all they had to do was have that in this movie, and it would have been so much better. But these massive oh. stories, they're supposed to bring, bring in bring, bring in big crowds, but they actually lose, they miss the mark because it doesn't last. You don't get a, a long feeling from it that makes you come back and see it again and again.
0: And I think to that point, that's part of the reason. I was not a fan of Age of Ultron, but then when we had Captain America Civil War, part of what was corrected with Captain America Civil War was the fact that so much of it was about the character interaction. Like Jamie, I was someone who grew up more on DC when I had an opportunity to be exposed to comic culture as a child. There were rare opportunities, but when there were, it was DC. So for me... X-Men and even the Avengers have never been up as high as, say, the Justice League, which is probably why Batman versus Superman was such a disappointment for me, though I am learning more. Jamie, you in the, this week's Pop Confidential special episode about Game of Thrones, you were talking about how... Back in the day, you wanted me to read up on my soap history. Well, what I basically discovered is if there had been a really good podcast about it, I might have actually listened because one of the podcasts that I discovered, and I mentioned it before on um, Pop Confidential, was Jay and Miles explain the X-Men. And they basically go from the beginning of the X-Men to when I'm only on episode 70 of it, but they've had over 100 of them. And they go into all the crazy, and they even say in the intro, the soap opera that is the X-Men. And I'm loving it. It's giving me so much more knowledge. And for me, having watched the other movies, there's other X-Men movies that I enjoy more. But I understood this one better because I had been listening to, the, to this podcast. I would highly recommend it if you ever want a good listen about the X-Men. My thoughts... I would, like I said earlier, I was worried about going into it. The the It really gave me deja vu for X-Men 3, which was a terrible movie. My overview on this, I told this to a friend and it was like, I feel like this movie was a film whose umbrella plot was systematically salvaged by the performances of a cast whose talent far outpaced the script. So much of this film, whether it was Magneto scenes, whether or not... It was Gene and um, Cyclops, the various characters. I felt like the performances that we received were so good. They kept pulling me in. And maybe that was a little bit of what Craig was talking about with the characters. I thought that the acting was so good that it kept me engaged. But on the whole, the apocalypse plot, the graphics left me feeling a little bit numb. It wasn't. It wasn't what I was looking forward to. Um, If you haven't seen the film, this obviously is going to be an episode with lots of spoilers, so I'm giving you that warning. (laughs) Basically, the premise of it is Apocalypse was trapped back thousands of years ago um, and has been in a form of stasis. I'm post-it note versioning this. And he is awakened in the present and has deemed the world unworthy. And he plans on cleansing it, and only the strong will survive, the people who are the greatest mutants. And so he begins hunting for these mutants, his four horsemen. He finds Angel, Psylocke, Storm, and then he gets to Magneto. Mel, what did you think of the the first three, Angel, Psylocke, and Storm? We'll talk about Magneto a little bit more in depth. But what did you think of those three characters?
1: It was great to see Angel actually in action because we only got that little snippet of Angel before in Last Stand and I always liked Angel. And then I liked how um he had there's another version of Angel that has a metal wing, so I forget his name at this point. But I was happy that we got to see, you know, that version of him because Angel was always this really fierce character and they didn't make him that in last stand. I got a little angry, but that's not the point. Um I was okay with that. The Storm, who is one of my favorite X-Men, like top three X-Men for me. I was like, okay, so Storm has got another weird accent. Uh, all right, let's <laughs> let's go with that because I don't this this doesn't relate to these other movies at all. But it was interesting how you know she was already a strong X Men, and then Apocalypse gave her more power to make her stronger, stronger. So I was like, okay, I can get behind that a little bit because I've always kind of wondered how Storm got to be so doggone powerful. I mean, I wasn't opposed to it, but I always wanted to know more. Psylocke, who I was really disappointed in, cause I wanted them to do more with her. And she had like three lines in the whole movie and she was kind of just there in the background. And I was like, Oh, I want you to do more. Why are you not being Psylocke? Like, I know you can be, I don't know. So I guess two out of three ain't bad.
0: Jamie, what were your thoughts? I know, um, I, I'm pretty sure you were a fan of Olivia Munn from, uh, the news Oh my on. God,
3: I love her.
0: Uh, I, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm I love the actress. I too was a little bit disappointed in how yeah, she. That had...
3: was an expensive, you know, extra. I'm like, did we really need, need Olivia Munn if it was just going to be some, you know, basically two three lines of dialogue? I'm like. Ugh. I mean, maybe it's one of those situations that Luke, you would know this much better than me. That maybe there's a, a she's going to play more of an integral role in another upcoming Marvel movie or something like that. Um, or well, no, that's right. Well, and here's here's the, X-Men the thing X Men movies about, are separate from the Avengers movies, right? Like they're owned by two different
2: companies. They're yeah, owned, they're owned so by two so maybe companies.
3: she's going to be in another X Men movie that you know. well
0: here's the thing to think about, though. She was almost up for the role of as Deadpool's uh love interest and she turned it down for this role. And if you compare the two, oh,
2: oh my god. That
3: was she that was a <laughs> movie. Yeah, she met <laughs> yeah. Cuz she really had nothing to do. I mean, the, yeah, the weird like the, the weird guy who sold them IDs had more of a plot than she did. Indeed. <laughs> um <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, yeah but, you but have up any those thoughts three, on Storm or Angel? Um, like Mel, you know, I love me some Storm, fist pound, Black X Men. So, <laughs> you know, I, had to, <laughs> but you know, so I, but of course, I immediately ran to Google because I was like, wait, like why? Like Mel, I was like, why is Storm um, over here talking funny? But apparently, <laughs> you know, her parents were from the states, but her one of them was African. And they ended up going, to, they did end up going to Egypt in the comic books, and they were killed. And so she did end up becoming a pickpocket in Cairo. So all of that lined up. I don't know why she had that accent, because it, it's like, well, if you were born
1: Ew,
0: in so the
3: States, bad. you know.
0: Well, if you were raised in Egypt, it could have be one of those things where,
3: I mean, you yeah, have a... Yeah, and I mean, but, you know, in the comic books, you know, she pickpocketed Professor mm-hmm. X. But, you know, okay, That's so right, they... Yeah. They played with that a little bit, you know, and and um, you know, that's a you know that's the thing with a lot of these movies. It's like, oh, so now we're gonna see that Apocalypse is why she has white hair, and Apocalypse is why Professor X has no hair, and Apocalypse is why mm-hmm. Car. You should badge.
1: just open a beauty. Salon. In my head, she always had white hair because of lightning. I was like, oh, that makes sense.
3: Yeah, so it's like, you know, I, I'm like, okay, I'm suspending disbelief here. I blog about soap operas. I can do it. But it was just <laughs> kind of like, okay, so. And my thing is, because I don't mind the all-powerful comic book, you know, super villain, but this one was kind of lame. I mean, his dialogue wasn't much. I mean, he, he kind of had, like, he kind of seemed like he needed a V8 sometimes when he just, like, stared at him like... He kind of reminded me of Eeyore from uh, Winnie the Pooh, so it's like (laughs) he's not scaring me. You know, I'm not terrified of him. Like, I, as a kid, will never forget being terrified of General Zod. And now looking back, I'm like, God, that was so campy. But General Zod from the old Superman movies (laughs) scared the bejesus out of me. This guy would not really scare me. So, yeah, but you know, the fact that he... It you know again, and we talked about this when we had our batman um Super versus Superman movie a lot of these modern day comic book writers want to tie it into modern day world events and and the x men franchise has always kind of done that in in trying to do the mutant you know sometimes it's a metaphor for being gay in, in last stand it definitely felt like a you know a gay lives matter type thing now it seems more like a I don't know, like, a I don't know if they're trying to say they're akin to, I don't know. I mean, but they just always try to seem to portray the X-Men or the mutants as, like, people who are being disenfranchised.
2: And they Mutants need are people, too.
3: Yeah, and the thing of it is, and I actually, <laughs> as I was doing my research, apparently that was, like, even back in the day, it was like Professor X was supposed to be, akin to Martin Luther King. I read this whole awesome analysis. I think it was The Atlantic or something. But it was like he was more Martin Luther King where Magneto was more Malcolm X, you know, by any means necessary. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I definitely can see that thread. But I'm like, well, who the heck is Apocalypse then? I mean, he is just, you know, Saddam Hussein? I mean, you know,
2: I don't even know. No, he's, he's that uh, head of the, uh, what, the black Muslims? What's that guy's name?
3: Farrakhan?
2: Yeah, he's more Farrakhan. Okay. Kill them all and let God sort them out.
3: Yeah, I mean, he definitely, it was, you know, there definitely was some of that, you know, in in Professor X. And I must say, sometimes I am like, shut up, Charles, and shoot some power out of your hand at somebody. (laughs) (laughs) But I I really like that he's always the, you know, until he has to be, because, you know, there was a bit of foreshadowing when, you know, Magneto was like, well, what's going to happen when somebody comes for your little precious school or something, and he's like, "Heaven help the person who yes, comes exactly. my looking for trouble." So I'm like, "Okay, he ain't just a peace, love, and and happiness type guy. He can get crunk, you know." So um, yeah, I mean, I from the I very
2: earliest days, from yeah, the very earliest days in the first comics.
3: Yeah, I get why the and you know, and I agree. I like the character moments too. I mean, my favorite parts of the movie were things like Quicksilver. So <laughs> oh, we're gonna we're gonna get to that. You know, the we're, character we're, moments were definitely more um, enjoyable Craig, than the than the overarching story.
0: Craig, so. I'm gonna get your opinion real quick on those characters, but before I do, I found it on Olivia Munn. Apparently, she turned down the role of Vanessa because she was unsatisfied with the character's depth and limited action sequences. Um, She was also tired of playing the girlfriend role, so that's why she went with Psylocke. Craig, what did you think of the Three Horsemen before we moved on to Magneto?
2: Well, I'm going to mention one thing, because we talked about, in another episode, we talked about ogling. And uh, whether it's Vanessa, whether it's... uh, Marina Bacharun or Olivia Munn—that would be me. I love either of those two actors in in pretty much anything. So uh, I I loved Psylocke. I loved watching her. I loved her movements. Loved her outfits. But yeah, she played so little of a role in this this film. I wanted to see more. Angel was one of the original X Men in one of, in the original comic. Uh, the first X Men ever had Angel in it, along with Beast and and Marvel Girl. And uh, I liked this one. But I really would like to see the original Angel come back with his personality. He's part of a rich family, and just see that guy sometime. Actually, come back and be the real Angel that I remember, because he was he was a really good character, as I recall. Uh, Storm, nobody's ever gonna be Storm but Halle Berry for me. She just she was wonderful in that role. I loved every moment when she was on the screen. She just caught my eye and carried it through the whole series so Halle Berry I've I've sometimes not been as positive as I am about you but in this case I think you were wonderful as Storm
0: for me I was happy with how Storm was I was disappointed with Psylocke just knowing what had happened with Deadpool and Angel is always one of those characters I sort of feel this might be heresy for some people but I sort of feel like he's the Aquaman of the X-Men in that he gets a bad run. Who is that? Which like, one? I missed you.
2: Angel. Angel. Oh, okay.
0: I, I, I sort of feel like Angel is the Aquaman of X-Men. In Because he's always this character who you could do cool stuff with, but is, is always overlooked because there's always other characters that are much more flashy or have better stories, at least in the
3: movies.
1: They just so, haven't I mean, done him right yet. It's kind of like Gambit, who's one of my favorite characters, too haven't done him right yet. I don't see, see I can't original. speak
3: to Angel, but well, Aquaman just has bad, had bad PR since the 70s. Because boy, if you're playing... I just remember being a kid when you're, you know, playing... Justice League with your friends and some you know everybody you know the whoever is the loudest kid gets to be Superman which I never wanted to be Superman I always wanted to be Lex Luthor so that tells you a lot about me oh, God, but um God. you know and somebody Lex Luthor is a good character somebody else would want to be Batman or something like that but nobody when it, the cousin that you made Aquaman is your least favorite cousin who picks their boogers you know, nobody wanted to be Aquaman. Ooh, and, and it, I can make my head tell the fish what to do.
0: Well, and see, that's what's interesting, because in the DC Comics, um, they just went and relaunched the, the comic world with the Rebirth mm-hmm. launch. And in the first Aquaman, because I've been a fan of Aquaman, and so I was, I also, pulled up awesome. uh, the issue off of Comixology and was reading it, and in there, they're basically confronting a lot of the things that have been... Um, said about Aquaman, and they're framing it in a different way as this is a man who is both human and uh, an Atlantean and how he is faced. And they basically they've framed it very much in a, a man split between two worlds, which then makes him a much more dynamic character. It will be interesting to see how they execute it.
2: But For those of you who are comic book fans, there's a character called Submariner that was made that way. In the in the Marvel world, so check out Submariner and compare him to Aquaman. Submariner is a much more interesting character.
0: Magneto was the fourth Horseman. Ah. Michael Fassbender portrays Magneto. He has in the last two films and one returned once again. I'm so glad he was there. I felt like when they when when they showed his scenes with his family in the in whatever the country Eastern Bloc country was that he was in, I loved it. I love seeing the family side of him i love seeing his emotions once they were killed and how he reacted to it and the internal struggle that he dealt with craig what did
2: you think oh michael fassbender is just a wonderful actor and he i can't imagine anyone playing a better magneto he just although God, he, he and McEllen as well was just wonderful as magneto but obviously he has to be a little bit younger in this but yeah um Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy, who's his, they're foils of each other, you might say, are both just terrific, and they play off each other so well. And so, yeah, he he just absolutely shows the the conflict. He wants to be Professor X. He wants to be the champion without being the destructor. But but he, but humanity keeps letting him down. So he kind of always ends up falling on the wrong side, though he doesn't really want to be. And Fassbender mm-hmm. just totally portrays that.
0: For people who are listening to this, having listened to Daytime Confidential, I always sort of see Magneto and Xavier's relationship as a little bit of Adam and Stuart from All My Children. Xavier is eric's conscience mel what did you think
1: oh i agree with everyone you know i loved it because a lot of times with magneto i always think they always want to paint him as this you know big great villain which he is but i think he's one of the x-men's truly gray characters because you know him and charles started the whole x-men thing you know that that was their baby and they just differ on the way they feel like the X-Men should be treated and represented in society, which happens a lot, I feel like, in real life. But in this one, you know, Magneto is, you know, clearly younger. And he has a family, and we see him be a family man, and he's trying to work. And I liked, you know, the scene where he's working, I guess, in the steel mill, and he saves that one guy, and, you know, everybody sees. But you knew it was going to come back to him at one point. And then, you know, there's a big standoff between... I guess it's the army of that country and his family. And you see that his little girl has powers too, and she can't control them. And all of a sudden, boom, his family is killed in front of him again. And when that happened, (laughs) I went, Oh no, Oh no. Everybody just died. Everybody's dead. He go kill everybody. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, of course, Apocalypse shows up and ruins it a little bit. But it it was interesting to see him say, you know what? I tried. I tried to do it the right way. And y'all pushed me. And look at what happened when I did it the right way. So you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to do what I want. I'm going to be Magneto, you know. And it's always interesting to see these inner conflicts of Magneto because I feel like there's always a part of him that knows he should do the right thing. But there's other part of him that's like, well, I'm Magneto, so I'm going to make it make me happy i'm gonna do what i want to do so it it was quite interesting and then you know in the end eventually does come back to his it, senses via charles which i don't know which one he all said that he's kind of his conscience which i'm I, gonna agree with so
0: jamie um apocalypse arrived with three of the horsemen they he, they took eric in and convinced him and then they went to auschwitz what did you think of Fassbender's performance and how the character of Magneto developed.
3: To me, that's really the true narrative structure of the film, um, because yeah, I mean that's we saw a full, complete character arc with him from you know taking him from the beginning where he's trying to live this normal life as a human being, you know, trying to live by the by the terms that humanity has set forth because. Heaven forbid you show your power and your greatness among mortal men. And then he exposes himself by doing something (laughs) all too human, trying to save or saving a man's life. And then because he's different, they repay him by sending people to, you know, enslave him. And from there, the tragedy that befalls his family happens. And you can see how in that darkness, it was easy for Satan, (laughs) uh, you know, in this form, the apocalypse character to come in and say, you know, my child, I'm going to give you the kingdoms of the world. Just come and follow me instead of, you know, trying to live by men's standards. And, you know, once again, and comic books do this so well, it's, you know, exploring the fact that mankind wants to kill anything that's Powerful and different, and you know, that they are f- afraid of. And but it also shows that when you give in to that base desire to do the same thing, it makes you just as bad as the people who you hate. And I think that's what you know, the X Men story is always cr- trying to tell. And I, I feel that in this trilogy, we've definitely seen. Magneto, Eric and Raven Mystique as more anti-heroes who are trying to um rebel against their base nature but in the first three we see you know that they you know they've already succumbed to that nature and are basically like no screw this we've tried to live amongst these humans and they keep trying to kill us and we're done we are going to now you know, wreak as much havoc as we can, yet there's still throughout all of the movies, there's that undeniable bond between um, Xavier Charles Xavier and Eric. Um, didn't really see that the this whole mystique Charles Xavier thing seems to be invented for these three movies because I didn't really feel a connection between him and, you know, with the, what was her name, Rebecca Romaine Stamos, and I didn't, I never saw that in the first three movies, but, you know, now she's kind of like a sister to him. Um, I enjoyed the Beast's, you know, romantic affections for her, all the little triangles, you know, the Beast and Raven and Magneto, and then you have the beginning of, um Gene and Scott and Wolverine which (laughs) I joked um, on Twitter about this it's like okay the fact that they keep making the other X-Men younger but Wolverine stays the same it's like, um, I wanted to call CPS.
0: <laughs> well,
3: Gray was all, I want to help you
0: see. And this is one of the things and I was going to bring this up when we discussed the Wolverine cameo. But when she goes and like helps him with his memories, I was like, so does this mean that he remembers being in love with her in the future because she helped with his memories, which is what happened in one of the previous films when he went through time? I was like, I really don't want to think about that too hard because my head might explode. <laughs> Speaking of Gene, though, know, we had Gene, we had Cyclops, we had Nightcrawler introduced. I believe Quicksilver was the same actor from the previous movie. Yes. And we had Jubilee, though Jubilee didn't do much. Oh, which is upsetting. Uh, but anyway. I know I was like, I want to see more of her. Like she was the one from the cartoon that was like, I always liked just because she was so colorful. She was the life. young
1: quirky kid, you know. She was always yes. the baby. Yes.
0: So. I, I like Gene. I like Cyclops. I thought both, I mean, obviously, Gene, anybody who just listened to the Game of Thrones special podcast that we did for Pop Confidential knows how much of a fan I am of Sophie Turner as Sansa on Game of Thrones. So I'm, I really enjoyed her in this film. I thought the actor who played Cy, uh, Cyclops was really good. The actor who played uh, Nightcrawler was good as well, but I really had, like, this is going to sound really terrible when I say this, but Jamie mentioned earlier about like haircuts and things. I was like, why is Nightcrawler wearing a Midwestern housewife haircut?
2: Yeah, that just threw me. It, (laughs)
0: it, it, It kept, it kept throwing me out of it. It was like, this is something that I've seen a lot of ladies in the Midwest and that's nothing. There's nothing wrong with the haircut itself. It was just,
2: Says the a fashion consultant.
0: Crawler. On, <laughs> Oh, well, I'm not a fashion consultant, but, but it's like on Nightcrawler. I was like, couldn't. We have made it a little bit better, Amel. What did you think of the new younger characters? Um, and we're gonna talk about Quicksilver separately. So for the the other four.
1: You know, I was okay with the num the younger characters. Um, honestly, if you want the truth, Sophie Turner impressed me a little bit because I was a little worried how her interpretation of Jean was gonna play out because I know that's your favorite on Game of Thrones, look But she's a little sleepy on that show. I'm just keeping it real. So I was like, oh, I don't know how this is gonna, gonna I don't Harris. know how this is gonna work out, but. But you know what? As a young version of Jean, I was like, okay, I can I can see this because you know Jean was always kind of uh, she was a strong character, but she was always afraid of so afraid of her powers it kind of limited her. So I was like, all right, all right, I, I was okay with her and how she kind of took charge because she didn't have. A choice to do it because, hey, she's the most powerful out of everyone. So we're going to do it that. Um, I thought the introduction of Scott with his brother Alex, who are um, Psychox and Havoc, respectively, was good. And we saw how, you know, Scott and Gina are always kind of flirty with with each other. So that set up quite nicely. Nightcrawler, who I love. Um, he he was good, you know. I feel like Nightcrawler is always good for a little bit of comedy, and he has such an amazing power. I thought that was great, but the kid, the kid did a good job, the actor who portrayed him, but Alan Cumming his version of Nightcrawler. Uh, There are no words for how flawless that version of Nightcrawler is. And I wish he would do it, but he won't do it because he said he cannot stand being in that makeup. He said the makeup took, like I don't know, 10 hours or something every time to do it. So he's like, I will not do that again. I know you all want me to do it, but I can't do it. But I'm like, but please come back and do it. (laughs)
2: Exactly. I totally agree
1: with that. Maybe if I beg enough, you'll come back. I mean, I know it won't happen. So it's kind of like i feel like the actor that did it he did the best job he could and i'm he didn't do a bad job at all i think he did great but to have to try and compare him to alan cummings nightcrawler it's not gonna yes. work like, there's yeah. no comparison nope. he's fantastic nope. so i don't know Let's just no me. way
2: no how
0: yeah jamie what did you think of the kids
3: i enjoyed the teens um i thought that the little the bonding of it um in fact it it makes me, you know, I'm more of a TV fan than a movie fan. So the whole time I was thinking, man, I really would love to see the Greg Berlanti-esque TV series about the young X-Men. Um, because I did it. I enjoyed the whole um, Scott and Gene bonding over being, you know, the biggest freaks. And, you know, even the whole, I mean, and it's su- it's such a cliched scene where, the athletic jerk is coming to beat up Scott in the bathroom. And then Scott just liquefies his ass with his <laughs> superpowered <laughs> eyes. eyes. Uh, I'm like, wouldn't that have come in handy in high school? Um, and I enjoyed their little sojourn to the mall and how, while they're off like gallivanting, the whole world literally, you know, came down around their friends and loved ones. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed all of them. I, I, you know, I don't really. I mean, I I knew that with this being a a prequel, you know, I'm I'm okay with all of the the younger actors. I really liked um, the actress uh, from Game of Thrones, uh, Sophie Turner. Yeah, Sophie Turner, who I liked her Jean Grey, and Jean Grey is my favorite one of the X Men characters. So that was cool. Um, my least, I mean, the only one that I had a rough time with was, you know, and she wasn't really a young x-men in this but yeah like i said was the storm i i might have wanted to see maybe a um what's the girl from akila and the bee um, kiki palmer kiki palmer oh yeah that would you know great. someone that was a little stronger but she was okay but i'm gonna be honest i never liked Tally berry's storm either oh. Storm- oh. she was she was blasphemy. just so, so to
2: blasphemy
3: blasphemy oh not-
1: see i'm with <laughs> Kurt, I'm with
3: I, I mean, I would have loved the Nicole Ari Parker. Halle gets, gets so no. many of those no. roles because white filmmakers don't know anybody else in the black community but Halle Berry. But if Nicole Ari Parker or
2: you wow. know, Vanessa
3: Williams had been that role, I think it would have been a little bit. Halle Berry. I guess
2: it's because everybody wants to watch her. That's no,
3: she gets it because she is that. Watch acceptable black woman that no, Hollywood likes to put in a not. lot of stuff, but there are <laughs> a thousand black actresses better than her out there that would could take some of those roles that. That she it's, takes for granted and playing that.
2: Absolutely right. She's just really fun to watch.
3: And she's hot. And yeah, well, I that, get that's it. That's what Craig but is referring
2: to. I'll give to. you that
0: too. But she's
3: not even uh, the only one that's hot, Craig. I can find you a whole slew of sisters that are just as fine who can actually do more with a seed. But,
2: but they're that, not to bring people into the movie, that's which the all same
3: thing that. <laughs> You know that no, that's a lot. That you just—if you never know, you never know because that's the thing. It's just oh, let's just cast Halle Berry and everything. That's why she on CBS tried to find her robot space baby, Hallie no, You know, Halle her, is not. Yeah, that not, is not the only option. Is all I'm saying.
2: But of course,
0: Craig, what did you think <laughs> of Gene Cyclops
2: in Jubilee? Well, Gene. By the way, when you mentioned when you mentioned earlier about about who the Aquaman was. In the original comic book, that was Jean Grey. She was called Marvel Girl. She had almost no power at all. And it wasn't until years and years later that they came up with the Phoenix idea. So she was the original Aquaman. No respect whatsoever. So I actually loved this Jean Grey. I thought I thought she did a great job. I thought the relationship between her and Cyclops and the other teens, the new teens, was so much like the original First number one comic book, and the next next several comic books, I just felt like I was rereading those original comic books. I thought it was so good and so well done. Uh, Nightcrawler wasn't around until much 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 later, so uh, that didn't his his performance didn't impress me. I totally agree with Mel on that one. The other guy was just so what was it? What's his name again? i have Alan ne-
1: Cumming. He is Alan Cummings. Flawless. <laughs>
2: Such a wonderful actor. Yes, he's he was so terrific in Nightcrawler that no one no one they could have thrown in there could have done any any uh, any better than the original. And uh, the again the storm yeah it was kind of lukewarm on on her. I'm sure that in this case um, Jamie is absolutely right. They could have thrown a hundred different actors and actresses in there and got a better response from from me. Uh, but. Yeah, I liked. I really liked the way they did the teens this time. The only guy that's always missing is Bobby. Is supposed to be an original. Uh, Bobby the Iceman is supposed to be an original. Oh, event. Iceman! X-
3: I used to love me some Iceman.
2: Yes, I mean, yeah, obviously the X Men. He's he was one of the originals, and he should be here someplace. Yes, he would be really hard to do CGI wise, but it would be so worth it because he was so much fun. But yeah, I, I um, love the teens this time.
0: Going back to the expectations from watching the trailer, I was worried about Quicksilver because I didn't like the Quicksilver in the previous film, even though it was um, portrayed by the same actor. And I was certainly not a fan of the Avengers version that was killed off. Um, So for me, it was sort of like he had two things against him going in. But I actually thought that Quicksilver in this film... In part because of the character development that we got to see with him and Magneto, and turning like not telling him Magneto that he's his father, but then also what he did at the institute to to save the other people, made me look at the character a whole lot different. And all of a sudden, I felt a connection. I actually thought that Quicksilver. In the mansion was one of the best moments of the film for me from an enjoyment standpoint. Mel, what did you think of the character?
1: Oh, I like Quicksilver. I've always liked Quicksilver, and I like every version that they've had, and even the Avengers and in the last X Men movie. I, you know, I don't have a problem with that character at all. As for the scene, I will say it's probably the most entertaining scene in the movie because, you know, you see him show up and if you're like all the rest of us, you know, you've seen him in all these other movies. So you're like, all right, quicksilver, this is about to be a good time. We're going to have fun here. And that's kind of exactly what it was. You know, the um, school is, you know, exploded by Stryker. I thought it was a great appearance by Stryker too, because I didn't expect him to show up in this movie, but um, not the point. So, you know, the mansion is exploded, and here comes Quicksilver. He's moving so fast that everything else is standing still, and he gets to have this great, you know, scene where he's saving everyone, he's eating apples, he's juggling, he's doing all these things, and I thought it was just fantastic. I love that.
2: I thought I saw Jamie? him smoking a cigarette, uh, yeah. uh, eating an apple, <laughs> and taking a dump all at the same time.
3: What was funny to me was when he... Looked at that teenage boy trying to kiss the girl, and he just kind of <laughs> like that was hilarious. His face <laughs> I mean, yeah, he stole the he was the Wonder Woman of this movie for me yeah. because he made the movie, and they did a twist on me because I thought that you know he was going to reveal who he was and that's what would make Magneto stop, you know. But it didn't, you know. He he stopped himself from revealing who he was. He is such an awesome character. And when he's like, yeah, after seeing you when he's talking to Mystique, that's what changed my life. Even though I still live in my mom's basement and I don't have a job and yeah, I'm pretty much still a loser. You know, (laughs) he's just a funny character. I would watch you know, a Quicksilver standalone movie. Um, I don't know if it would be. It probably it wouldn't do would
0: it do very yeah, well. But
3: mm. I would If they
0: if they did it in a Deadpool type way, they might be able. Or to maybe it.
3: even a series. That's one thing. I mean, it, it, one thing that drives me batty. You know, because like you know, Craig mentioned Iceman. I was it, who was it? What have you mentioned? Iceman. Well, see, my right. childhood memories. There was a short-lived. Spider-Man and the Amazing Friends uh, show. God, back in the early 80s. It came on around the same time as Challenge of the Super Friends. And it was Spider-Man, Firestar, and Iceman. So I've always thought of, you know, all the Marvel characters kind of cross-pollinating. And so it's so weird to me that it's like, well, the Avengers and Spider-Man are over here but they can't really cross with the X-Men because they kind of did in you know in the past but you know Luke explained to me that different studios own those but <laughs> I wonder why Marvel doesn't try to I don't know get the rights of the X-Men back or something so they can give them over to AB, to Disney ABC I don't know but
2: they're working well they're working on it they're getting that's what that's how they got Spider-Man in the Civil War.
3: Oh uh, okay.
0: Craig, uh, what were your thoughts on Quicksilver, and then give me your opinion on w- the Wolverine cameo? Because this is Hugh Jackman's. I mean, it was a cameo. He has one more X Men film coming up. Hit, well, not X Men, but his Wolverine film coming up, and then he's done. So, what did you think of Quicksilver and Wolverine? Well,
2: I'm just wondering: are they getting it right in Marvel and getting it terribly wrong in Flash? I mean, <laughs> which one is which one is more f- accurate? Physically. I mean, could, could Flash actually do these things? Or is Quicksilver that much faster than Flash? And the fact that Flash has his own TV series seems to me to lean, uh, to, lean to the fact that Quicksilver could easily have his own, because he's a lot more fun.
0: Uh, I, well, there's a podcast we should do sometime, Craig. A Quicksilver versus Flash podcast. Absolutely. I'm telling you, I love Quicksilver.
1: (laughs) I'll skip that one, but okay. (laughs) I'm in. (laughs)
2: Yeah, there you go, Mel. I'm telling you like I, like I uh, tried to slip in there. I can just see Quicksilver uh, smoking a cigarette, reading a reading a magazine and, and uh, relieving himself while hes while he's in the middle of this this havoc going around him and grabbing all these people and carrying them out. I love every moment of that. I don't think it could ever happen the way he does it, but if he's that fast, <laughs> but the problem the only problem I have with Quicksilver, if he's that fast, who could ever defeat him? Well, why he can,
3: didn't he save freaking cute boy with the big lips, his brother, then, if he's that fast? Why didn't he get there to save the other cute boy that shoots I, the fire Havoc, out of his chest? Havoc. Yes, all I
2: can, all, all I can figure is Havoc, <laughs> Havoc was too close to the blast. That's the only thing. Well, it, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Uh, he was the instigator of the blast. So, but what would you think of Wolverine, so, Craig? Oh,
2: Wolverine. Well, what can you say about huge, huge Ackman? Um, he just, <laughs> every, every time he's in, sorry. No, I just laughed. Oh, it, he was laughing. Huge Ackman. Anyway, he's, he's just honest to God. He's always funny. He's always great. I, you know, they're, uh, they obviously wanted to bring striker into the mix. That was the reason for that whole mm-hmm. Wolverine cameo. In my opinion, and I love the original striker. So I don't know how the new actor could ever match the original striker because it but yeah i I always love wolverine in, in everything i do i do not ever want to see him go away it was completely different than the one in the comic book um i i i just love him so much it doesn't matter doesn't matter one bit could could be i mean just anytime he comes on the screen i want him doing cameos and other stuff mel he unleashed a lot of carnage what'd you think
1: wolverine Yeah, I'm always a fan of Wolverine. I mean, have you seen him? Yes, but that's not the point. No, I really do like Wolverine. (laughs) You know, Um, come on, I'm the only woman on this show. I gotta do it. But um, no, I. You're
0: not the only one who has an appreciation. I'm pretty sure this
1: is true. But hey, I'm holding down for the lady geeks here. So yes, Um, there you go,
2: and well done, well done. I'm holding down for the other end of the scale.
1: <laughs> Yay! I have always enjoyed Wolverine. That's
2: why you wanted Halle Berry. <laughs> hey, oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
1: <laughs> That's a really you know successful character, especially in this series, um, in the movie versions. So I feel like they always kind of make uh, a place for Wolverine to show up and kick butt like we want him to. Because, hey, he's got that little bit of an anger problem. Hey. It, it works out, you know, but like I was saying earlier, just a little one, you know, he gets a little mad sometimes. I don't know. But uh, like I was saying earlier, I did not expect Striker to show up in this movie. And as we all know, those two characters are very highly connected. So I am always more interested to see more of what went down at Alkali Lake. And I like that we went back to that set, too. I was like, oh, it's all I like. We're going back here. We're touching on things. Okay, using a little bit of our history. I'm I'm okay with these things.
0: Jamie, what are your thoughts on the cameo?
1: Well, I enjoyed
3: it because Lord knows they needed an assist since, you know, Cyclops doesn't know how to control his eyes yet, and Jean Grey only knows how to really make them invisible yet. I'm like, can you guys get to reading Mutant Powers for Dummies so that y'all can advance a little (laughs) bit faster? So they definitely needed his help. I felt so bad for Scott, though, because I'm like, dang it. You can't even have your connection with Gene for five minutes before here he is sweating and grunting with his big, thick... blades (laughs) blades <laughs> coming out, <laughs> and it's like, damn it, she's like Scott who. Is that all some kind
2: of euphemism ready? there, guys?
3: Hey, I, I, there, I haven't met it on entendre, I can't double. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, dang, poor little Scott is like, damn it, already? Yeah. You know, we haven't even been able to go to first base yet, and here he is. She done smelled him. She's all, <laughs> you know it's over
1: for Scott. I'm like, dang. <laughs> I don't know. I guess Scott's always been kind of a jerk, especially you know when he grows up. So I'm like, Ugh. he's never been my favorite.
0: Okay, well, that sort of leads us to the finale. This
3: I must point out to our Pop Confidential listeners, because <laughs> Melody is Team Fitz, and I'm Team <laughs> All day when it comes to scandals, so we just can never, you know, be on the same page. I'm like, Scott does not grow up to liquefy her with his eyes. Wolverine pokes her in the chest, those claws. See, wow.
0: you know, that's what a brother. Would
3: okay, cause. you saw um, the movie. You saw the, that movie. He kills her. Uh, yes. uh, uh, she had-
0: let's yeah. let's talk about the climax. Speaking
2: of relationships, well, um,
3: <laughs> so, yeah, well there you go. Well,
0: there's that, as that as James
2: is on this podcast, oh. that's not cool.
0: <laughs> Basically. We get to an end of world event where Apocalypse has discovered the fact that Xavier ha- can basically talk with anybody on the um, planet and communicate yes. with them. And he so- has
3: Verizon.
0: <laughs> can you hear me now? The
3: is um,
1: destroyed yet again.
0: So, yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it has to be. It all—it almost has. I'm to like, be how now.
1: many times are we gonna rebuild that, guys? Okay, not the point. Keep.
0: They—they they have to. So he is going to t- try and once again go through the ceremony and the procedure to take over Xavier's body so that he can um, take over his powers and and thus control the entire Earth. So he gets up. They're overlooking Egypt. Magneto and various other people are in the process of destroying the world. Xavier sends out a message to the X-Men to basically... Defend the world, which brings in the crew with um, it, have them flying in. I'm terrible at these recaps compared to you, Mel. Um, and basically we yeah. get to the end and it's Xavier is fighting a mental battle with Apocalypse as the rest of his team is fighting a physical battle with the four horsemen. Mel, since you're so much better at recaps, in case I missed anything, (laughs) what did you think of the epic finale?
1: Okay, so the final showdown. It's the final count showdown. Okay, whatever. It works. Anyways. All right. So, Luke, you did a good job. You did a good job because it's basically what's happening. We have, you know, two battles going on here. There's an inner battle and there's an outer battle. So it's a great juxtaposition. You know, outside we have all of our X-Men engaged in battle. You know, everyone's kind of facing their almost equal. So that's interesting. While you have Charles Xavier doing what he can, um, you know, trying to get inside of everyone's head. So he's battling Apocalypse. And this is the point in the movie where they lose me. A lot of bit because I was okay with, you know, outside and inside fighting. That was fine. And then Charles finally figures out, oh, I can fight him inside of my mind. This will work out. So he's going, he's fighting, he's winning a little bit. And then all of a sudden, apocalypse starts growing like Jack and the damn beanstalk. And (laughs) I I get a little bit lost because I'm like, this is stupid. This is not, I don't want to see this. Where is the end? Is it almost over? This is dumb. Like, how does he all of a sudden start growing so tall and Xavier stays small as a man? Uh, uh, Is that supposed to mean, like, since he's this great, quote, unquote, God, that's why he can grow so tall and that's why Xavier's plan isn't working? I don't. I don't understand. Someone help! This is that's where the movie <laughs> lost me completely because I was like, "This is no, this is and not." And Jean work.
0: came to help.
1: Well, yeah, I knew Jean was going to come in at some point because I think there are only two um, telepaths. I think is that the right or telekinetic persons? Yeah, they're are the only two right now that we can see. The other girl does it um, with the diamond skin. Emma Stone, that's her name. Yeah, yeah. Emma Frost. Yeah, yeah that's it. Frost, thank you. Um, so I was like, "All right, I knew at some point they were going to be connected. I knew Jean was going to have to step in and help because that's kind of the way her and Charles do things. So I was fine with Jean being the one to finally get rid of Apocalypse because at this point he had to go because they had done it more. They had done too much. It was too much. But I liked how um, I believe it was it was Charles that kind of you know got to Magneto again. He's saying, "Hey." This is not it. This is not the plan. This is not what we fought for. Get back to business. And, you know, you want to make everybody proud. Well, this is not it. So he kind of came back to his senses. So that was okay. But that was kind of the one point in the movie where I was like, this is ridiculous. Stop it.
0: Okay. Jamie, what did you think of the grand finale?
3: I'm 100% on board with Mel. The- I was engaged. I was there in the theater having my red wine, and then I thought, "Did they put something in this wine? Because why <laughs> is this thing growing?" And he looks just like the guy from the Superman movie, but not the movie. Apocalypse cartoon. Lo- he looks more like the cartoon version of oh, of, God, of yeah. Dark Side. And so, well, and, and and then
0: they have then they like I told Craig offline. It's like I'm really tired of purplish, bluish, pink. Super villains between Guardians of the Galaxy, X Men Apocalypse, and
3: well, Batman. yeah i i enjoyed the whole i enjoyed the whole metaphor of you know how we have to face our fears no matter what we're afraid of. Look, I was like, maybe I should go do a writing assignment because Charles Xavier is right. I shouldn't be afraid. He's like he's telling Jean Grey, but um, you know, so I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed the whole you know you're better than this you know, Eric. You know, so I enjoy him being basically Jesus to everyone and he comes, you know, as their Holy Spirit and guides them back to their purpose. Um, but yeah, I could have dealt done without that whole big, big, big guy in his head and in the house and you know, it just—it seemed so like it, it almost kind of seemed like, oh, we're gonna try to give Professor X an action scene, isn't that cute? Because he's like, you're <laughs> in my house now. It's like, let's get back to the real battle, not your brain fart. You take a seroquel, and you know, let's get everybody <laughs> back out on the actual battlefield. Um, and,
0: Keeping it in perspective from a geek perspective.
3: Yeah, it was kind of like, okay, this whole head trip thing. I get it because it's like, you know the character is more mental, so they have to give him something to do at the end of the story. But I was just like, Yeah, you could have just had him encouraging Jean Gray to I did love the visual at the end because she looked exactly like the the fiery bird Phoenix from, you know, mythology when she turned into but it also it makes you go. Well, wait. So then, don't, won't the X Men know that she can do that <laughs> within the future? Anyway, that's one of the things about. It. I saw a post about how the timeline for these movies can confuse you if you let them because it's like, well, wait. So now, shouldn't they kind of be on the lookout for the fact that Gene can kind of <laughs> go super wiggy and <laughs> destroy the world if you don't watch her? You know, so. Um, yeah, so there were certain things like that. And and one thing, I'm like, boy, the X-Men are really forgiving because it's like, you know, so they just let Storm move in and become a homegirl after she tried to help destroy <laughs> yeah. him. I'm like, huh?
0: But they they did it for Magneto. I mean, and Magneto has much See,
1: worse crimes than, than to, Storm. I don't have
3: to be waterboarded or something first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, that's another also thing about below. the X-Men, you know. Wow. While Can you they just move in and just get Well, that they that's all sort of a character. They all have their differences within, but they are all mutants, and mm. I feel like that's the one thing that will forever unite them.
2: Well, they would I'd be, be completely
3: you know, you ain't gonna turn on us again, are you? <laughs> you know, they just come on in, and I'm also like, well, how, who pays tuition? Do the human parents pay the tuition for these people? Because what is uh, the-
0: Xavier okay. is independently now wealthy. Think about this, Craig. What did you, Craig? What did you think of? The think finale? about
2: this. Anytime Professor X sits down at a poker table, or he goes to the <laughs> stock market, or. Uh, he, he's, he's so incredibly filthy rich he can win any tournament. He can do I mean know, the guys, they
3: never let the they never let superheroes do that sort of things, not the good ones.
2: Well, they never tell you about it.
3: Remember on Charm, whenever Phoebe would try to do that, she'd get in trouble.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, That depends on the rules of your magic, though, and there aren't no rules. Technically, Xavier can set his own rules. Craig, what did you think of the finale? You're
2: comparing fantasy to science fiction, two different things.
3: Oh, my lord of the Uh, world. uh
2: (laughs) Okay, now we're going to geek out a little bit you're absolutely correct when he started getting huge and they started this big battle all i could think of was this analysis of soup of 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 mutants that i read somewhere about how uh magneto and professor x and a, a couple others are are level four mutants where obviously um by this whole scenario um, the, the big guy, the uh, Apocalypse, had to be a level five mutant. And of course, the, but earlier I had read that Jean Grey was the number, it was already a level five mutant. So she was more powerful potentially than either professor X or X-Men. So I'm doing this whole analysis in my head. So yes, I was completely thrown out of the, 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 the action and the fun because, because I'm doing this thing in my head. Well, how in the hell is he going to beat her? Well, it's going to be Jean Grey. Who's a level five. It's going to be uh, fighting the God. And so, I mean, it was just so, it was so much too much. And it was so, I don't know. It was just absolutely non-engaging. That I just totally fell out of the movie, and my rating would—it was already too low—dropped even more. So yeah, I—I didn't—I didn't like it. I saw no reason for it. I thought they're trying to make it do too much. It's the giant spider in Wild Wild West all over it.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that's a film. Okay, I got I got you, Craig. I got you. I know what you're talking about.
0: Okay. As a film student, a g- film
2: graduate, I should say.
1: Yes, I have an entire film degree. Thank you very much.
2: Wow, I have like nine credit hours.
1: <laughs> I got all of them. I don't have a part. I don't have a piece. I don't have 127. I got all of it.
0: awesome.
2: <laughs> all
1: right. And hopefully now.
0: no. And hopefully no student loans to prove it. Uh, if you're lucky. Bernie Sanders uh,
3: said when. The, the, when he get elected, Hannah the King, that he is going to take away the student loans. I told somebody the other day, uh, I said, even when, like, if, which I know he's not going to be elected to anything, <laughs> I'm
1: but... I was like, place going to be, like, I, he's gonna be elected no, is uh, the first place at the county at the waba House at this point. I, I had a
3: friend hollering, though, because I said, if Bernie was to win, I wouldn't even wait for him to pass the legislation. As soon as Sally may call me again, I'm going to say, ah, <laughs> uh ah, Bernie Sanders yeah, exactly. said, I don't have to Bernie pay Donald this pay number. So don't call me. So um, if
2: Trump I keep, wins I keep I'm thinking gonna... please, please put her in jail. Please put her in jail. Bernie won't be lot. My student loans will be gone. I'll be in happy I'll be a happy if, camper. If
3: Trump wins as soon as the IRS calls next year about my business taxes. Nope. Nope. Bernie Sanders said he is doing away with the IRS something yep. that has not been passed. I don't uh, care that, uh, technically
0: that was Ted Cruz, not Bernie the Sanders President for the IRS.
3: Said- I mean, I know top Trump says it, too. I'm going to be like, so whoever wins, I'm going to do exactly what you said. Whatever you promised, I'm doing it.
2: They I'm won. sending a, po- sending a <laughs> postcard in.
3: <laughs> okay,
0: let's go around the circle and give our ratings of the film. Um, Mel, out of five stars, how many would you give it?
1: Um,
3: 2.8. Jamie? I'll give it a three because it did what I needed it to do, which was de-stress me and allow me to, you know, be, get my, my closet geek on for an afternoon without thinking about life.
2: <laughs> Craig? I'm going to give it an exact 2.5. Half of it was great. Half of it was really bad. So that's pretty average as far as I'm concerned.
0: Well, I'm giving it a three and a quarter simply because of the fact that in the Batman vs. Superman podcast, the hundredth episode of Pop Confidential, I had to give that movie a three because it did what they intended. Oh, no, they and this was a bet. And this was and this was a better film than that. So I have to give it at least a three and a quarter. But it wasn't, in my opinion, the best of the films. Now, before we get to the after the credits scene, I just want to go around in the circle real quick. Mel. What did you think of this versus Batman versus Superman?
1: Oh, I think this is much better than Batman versus Superman. Um honestly, Batman versus Superman, I I think I said it online, the first hour and 40 minutes was complete garbage.
2: <laughs> the oh, last
1: 30 minutes was amazing. So it didn't feel like that. And honestly, when I was sitting in Batman versus Superman, the whole time I was going, this is not Batman. Who is this? I don't know who you are. I don't know what movie this is supposed to be, but this is not Batman. That's not the way I felt in X-Men. I I still knew who the characters were. They felt like home to me. The supervillain and the story was a little wonky, but they were still the X-Men. So if I still can identify with the story, we're going to be all right.
0: Jamie, you were mesmerized by Wonder Woman's lasso of truth uh, about Batman versus Superman. How do you think uh, X-Men Apocalypse compared?
3: I think it was a better movie than Batman versus Superman, mostly because it was younger, fresher, and hipper. And um, while I enjoyed Batman vs. Superman um, for what it was, it totally lacks the humor and the, you know, the...
0: The things Craig and I were saying we needed in the film. The
3: joy of life. No, I don't. I do not. I still do not. And I have seen how you have been obsessed about it since they have got, you know, you need, those people need to put a restraining order up on you because you are just forever <laughs> posting things about how awful it was. Let it go. Let it go. Uh, listen, <laughs> like that girl I, in the snow. <laughs> let it uh, go. This
0: is not frozen. Let it
3: go. But anyway. My
0: Twitter account is not frozen. Not
3: Twitter, just Facebook too. Aha! I found another article saying Batman and Superman is bad. See, I don't need that. i by my gut, you be read,
0: looking. No, I, I, you be so looking, my scouring. Opinion,
3: the my,
0: my opinion is my own, whether <laughs> no, or not ain't. it's forced by legitimate people. No, I can't help it. Legitimate
3: that. people, so why did, you need what legitimate did you, people? What did you think? I don't need nobody to tell me nothing about how I feel about what I like or don't like, anyway. Okay. So, yes, I did enjoy this movie better than Batman vs. Superman because of the tone. Because... They, You guys are right about one thing, no matter whether it's the Marvel DC Universe or the Marvel X-Men Universe. The characters have a little more fun at being a superhero. You're not going you to have,
0: you know, um, Marvel Avenger or Marvel X.
3: Yeah, you're not going to have, you know, you say DC you said, uh, post, you know, DC seems to be stuck on for the movies that they all have to be Batman-esque. Mel says that she didn't feel like that was Batman. He totally felt like Batman for me. Mm -hmm. The other two seemed too dark. You know, Superman has never been this somber and and maudlin and constipated. You know, just sad about being a superhero. It's like, dude, you get to fly around the world. You get to fuck Lois Lane at super speed, and you know, calm down and blow the
2: top of her head off.
3: Well, yeah, you have to try not to do that because, well, you know, the only. Well, I don't know. Craig, you probably would know of other examples, but the only genre fiction that I can think of that even addresses the whole superhuman person having sex with a human was Twilight of all things. He's like, (laughs) I can't screw you too hard or I'll kill you. <laughs>
2: like, look up, yeah. look up the physics of Superman on on, I'm on like, Google.
3: I'm like really sparkly chest guy. You're gonna you're gonna just destroy the punanny. Is that it? You know what ends? I think Wolf Boy would have done worse. But anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed this better than that. I mean, Luke, is is that what every geek confidential? Wrap up. Is it all going to lead nope. back to Batman nope. versus Superman This is
0: this is, the la- this is the last Father of the – Well, I guess we have Doctor Strange coming up. What do you up, want them to
3: do to redeem Batman versus Superman? Uh,
0: everything. Do do? They, they need to change the tone and bring back should the humor. Should
3: they put in Angela Lansbury? Would that be enough to make – It might be, it? but no. <laughs>
2: uh Craig. What did
3: you, Judith did you, Ditch,
0: uh,
2: Almost. You know,
3: well,
0: you, I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> if, if they
3: can get Maggie Smith Maggie Judy, Smith oh low, Maggie scary. Smith is Lois Lane Luke will be like, oh <laughs> shit, oh shit everyone. That was
0: awesome. Listen, they done away. Like the geriatric superheroes with Angela Lansbury Judy Dench and Maggie Smith, it would be epic. They are, <laughs>
1: they, are, they, are they are
2: superhuman.
1: try to kill these people. They're superhuman uh, because they're still
2: alive. <laughs> pull them apart before they are right. at each other's throats, ripping each other.
1: Th-
2: I will go. I'll say something about Batman versus Superman. Eighty years, nearly eighty years of history. And I, well, when I was a little kid, I bought Batman and Superman comics. I read them for quite a bit. Uh, eighty years of history. They totally tossed 80 years of history down the toilet and flushed it those guys have always been best of friends they have always worked together and all of a sudden they don't even know each other they're 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 walking distance away from each other they've never even met but haven't
3: they went to war in the comics before they have in they have but there's
2: always a reason but they're always friends and then somebody uses red kryptonite or yellow kryptonite (laughs) or silver whatever they do that on superman so they have to go to war are they you know like the civil war between uh between the avengers same kind of thing they're they're best of friends and then they're at war and then they're back to being best of friends again these guys they threw away 80 years of them being friends at some point not even knowing each other i'm sorry i'm a superhero i'm superman i'm gonna (laughs) I'm going to meet all the other superheroes in my, in, my, in my world to make sure that they're all on the up and up. I'm not going to let somebody go around branding people, which seemed way, way over the top anyway. I'm not going to let somebody go branding people unless I know why, when, and how. I mean, I may let, may let him do a little bit of the, your, your waterboard. Thing wrong
0: with the and if you want to hear an in-depth debate about Batman versus Superman, go back and listen to Pop Oh, that was not an
3: in-depth. I was, uh, it was
0: an hour and a half debate. I was
3: sitting right? there with a, I was trying How'd to defend to myself with a slingshot for two hours.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how think of you, Jamie, defending yourself with a slingshot. I
3: was like, someone send me some backup.
2: Hey, for comp- well, and I had wanted Mel on that episode, but she wasn't
0: able to make it. It would have been. Oh a God, day. it would
3: have, because Mel
1: doesn't sound like she
3: liked it either. I would have just been
1: like, "I'm cheating. <laughs> I just well, uh, that wasn't. That. And then Batman me. was using guns. Are you kidding me? Okay, I'm sorry. For not, for a comic no, hold on, hold on. book,
2: for a comic book as, expert, Jamie, you are my favorite soap opera expert. <laughs> 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 so be it. Now, uh,
0: Craig, what were your what's your thoughts on the comparison? Okay,
2: I'll com- I'll compare just one thing about Fantastic Four is worse. I'll say that. Uh, then then we'll go on to the
1: Fantastic flop. You mean
2: the Fantastic <sighs> flop? That's the worst superhero movie ever in the history of mankind. It's- Beats them all.
3: Thank you. I'm so
2: glad. No, not finally- even.
3: It- Worse than Catwoman, worse
0: than yes. Catwoman.
2: Even even if you look up oh, the I'm statistics. Oh, I'm loving
3: all of this, because y'all know I love Howard the Duck, and people always shade on my Howard the
2: Duck. I get a real kick duck. out of Howard the Duck. Howard,
3: Howard the Duck. Howard. Howard got to sleep with a woman. Now, that's some nasty shit right there, if you think that. <laughs> Leah Nothing. Thompson. Leah Thompson told me to tell y'all that Carolina the City is not her career. No point. <laughs> She had to punch... A fuck gun. a duck. She had to fuck a duck. Yes, she did. And <laughs> sing about it!
2: <laughs> and and with that, ladies and gentlemen, this is the geek Yeah. See, this is <laughs> what I can bring
3: to the table, Luke. I can just bring the pop culture reference to it. I don't know... The
0: geek confidence. I don't know the
3: particulars... Premiere has
0: 80. gone off the rails. I don't know the 80 okay. years of
3: Batman and Superman, but I do know <laughs> that Leah <laughs> Thompson <that laughs> had to fuck a duck and how it's done. I do know that. <laughs>
2: and she was pulling feathers out for weeks. Anyway, back to the point.
1: (laughs) Good night, everyone. What was the question? (laughs)
0: It
2: it was
1: Apocalypse versus
0: Batman, Superman, and you said your only point was it was better than Fantastic Four.
2: Anyway, okay, no Apocalypse, Apocalypse versus Batman, Superman. At least there was fun in Apocalypse superhero movies either have to be so damn serious with incredible acting like like, like the dark knight the big dark knight I can't remember which was uh, that's okay though it's not a great comic book movie it's a really great movie uh, the, but if it's not that it has to be lots of fun has to bring back the audience has to make you want to own it has to make you want to want to see it on HBO and Showtime and Cinemax. It has to be fun. If it's fun, it's gonna make a ton of money and it's and apocalypse just isn't that much fun. It's good, not a lot of fun. Not it really. can't
3: be too fun, cause it can't remember now, you know, Tim Burton got a little crazy there with some of those Well that's Tim Burton
0: subsequent
2: and, Batman uh, movies. I'm sorry, Guardians of the know. Galaxy did awesome as did Deadpool much better than I ever expected because guess what I,
3: couldn't me, so I, much I, I fun. could not watch that guardians of the galaxy my that then roommate, really. my then roommates brought it home and I ended up she got one of my roommates got mad at me because she could see me on my phone and on my tablet she's like you're not watching I'm like there is a raccoon in a space suit Now listen, I I try.
1: I can meet you halfway, but I'm not gonna look at this raccoon. (laughs) Now, Jamie, you know how when you sit down to watch your soap opera, you have to suspend your reality at the door, right? Oh my god, yes. It's the same concept. You just suspend your reality at the door and you sit down And then you have to be and then you can get upset with the logic. Raccoons, you know. Where I come from, that's dinner. (laughs) <laughs> which is true it is it's texas <laughs> okay wow. no let's talk a little to talk back to us <laughs> boom
3: and then your mama put it put its mouth open and put some uh sweet potatoes around it yeah, there you
0: we go. are going we're going to wrap this podcast <laughs> up. We're talking about the after credit scenes we flash back which
3: i did not know let me just say all my readers on twitter clown me because they were like, what did you think about it? I'm like, what you mean? When the credits rolled, I got up to go because I was trying to beat the traffic in the parking lot. And they were like, oh, no, you have to stay for the after-credits scene. I'm like, I'm learning so much about this geek world. Wow.
0: Well, it's it's the Marvel ones. It's not DC because DC didn't have one, and they should have. We flash to, back to the remnants of Wolverine's carnage. There's blood everywhere, and all of a sudden, we see these guys in suits with a briefcase walking in. They take a vial of blood out of the case and put it in a briefcase labelled Essex Corp. Mel, since I am not a X Men expert at all i will bow to people who here who would have more knowledge of them i had to read up and about what it meant after the fact what did you think of this
1: well when i saw it i was like essex that's uh mr sinister so i yep. knew which villain was coming up next so i was like okay we're gonna go with mr sinister we're gonna see how this goes now that's a character that has a long deep convoluted past too because you know he he enters as one character and they give him a backstory later on so i i'm open to the idea of mr sinister don't get me wrong so do you think that they ever regret
3: with dc and marvel because a lot of these characters back in the day had such simplistic names and now comic book movies are arguably they have to be the most you know hip you know and so when I Mr. Sinister just screams, like, ha, 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 I'm Mr. Sinister. I mean, that's just <laughs> such a goofy... like. And, like, with Craig, like, when he's talking about Marvel Girl, it's like, I have no connection to that, because I just watched the, you know, watched the movies, but I'm like, oh, my God, I would laugh my ass off if she was like, I'm Marvel Girl, you know? It's like, they're going to call him Mr. Sinister?
0: Well, his name is Nathaniel Essex, well, but his... Yeah.
3: His so do you coding. think they'll ever use Mr Sinister on screen? Oh
0: absolutely. Oh, it's it's gonna... like it's like Doctor Strange coming up the film this fall. Doctor Strange, Mr. Sinister, absolutely.
3: But now let's think about it though, because in that um the one I like on Netflix with the cute little dark haired girl, um Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. That guy isn't purple. Isn't he supposed to be purple or something? Or green? Or oh, the, villain? The, the villain? Yeah, mm-hmm. isn't he supposed to be purple but he's not?
1: feel like he is? I'm not sure. Um, I, and I'm and i not, you know... I don't know the backstory of Jessica Jones. Like I like the series on Netflix, but I don't know a lot of backstory. This is
3: why Jamie will just be guest starring on this one from Kyle's <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know.
0: Jamie's already shared his thoughts about it. The, the fact that he didn't see it. Craig, what did you think?
2: I don't know. Lukewarm. It wasn't as much fun as some <laughs> you know, of the- Who
3: is that one? Lukewarm. What does he do? He, he show up <laughs> and shoots... <laughs> Tipping water out of his hands.
2: Listen, he's like he's like the human torch, but he just does. He's not too, you know, not too fiery. I guess mm. lukewarm.
3: When,
0: speaking of that, when I was a kid, uh, we lived in South Dakota near Rapid City, and there was there was an Indian reservation nearby. And my dad would pick up hitchhikers oh. as we were going into town. And one day, he picked up a um, Native American gentleman who we took into a homeless shelter. And when he asked my name, like when he asked my name and I said it was Luke, he goes, "Oh, so Lu- Luke Warmwater. And I was like, "Oh, great." That and I had to let that down for a while. It was like, okay, so that's my. Well, you just better apparently. be happy
3: y'all made it. You made it to adulthood because your daddy could have had you in another franchise: Alfred Hitchcock, Psycho, and picking up strangers. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, this wraps the first episode of the Geek Confidential podcast. A little bit longer than normal, but that's okay for a premiere episode. We're going to be coming back each week. We're going to have either a a one topic episode like this one or we're going to have multi topic ones. If you have any suggestions for things you'd like us to discuss, whether it's Quicksilver versus The Flash, anything that's going on with television shows or movies, feel free to send those to us. Until next time, thank you so much for joining me for this, guys. So long.
3: Bye. Bye, y'all.
0: See
2: y'all next time.